This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to Inside the Monster with Steve Peralt and Joey Capone. Welcome to episode 30 of the official Red Sox podcast, Inside the Monster, presented by Odyssey, with myself, Steve Peralt, and Joey Capone. The Red Sox got out of Chicago with one of the ugliest wins of all time, but a win is a win. They now play the AL East 17 times in a row. Joey, how you doing? Well, Steve, the Sox just lost a series to the Cubs. I started a (laughs) diet yesterday. Ooh. Um, Yeah. And by yesterday, I mean today. And uh, so not great, man. Not great. Thank you for asking. How are yeah, you doing? That was, dude, that was a tough series. I don't want to steal your line, but I'm just going to give you credit right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Before we started recording, Joey said, that's a series where you just throw away the tapes. Just act like it didn't happen and move on. And I fully agree. Yeah. There's nothing to take away from that. I guess... If there there might be a few pitching ones, uh, there might be some long term things that have happened as far as injuries go. But like beyond that, beyond the things that you can't possibly avoid bringing with you, just pack it up, leave it in Chicago. That's why they say, Steve, what happens in Chicago stays in stays Chicago. in yeah. the windy city. That's um, it. Yeah. So I don't really know where to start. I feel like for most of these series, we sit here. And know exactly what the the first thing is. We, we I know think, exactly what it begins. I begin. think I do. Well, just that with the weirdness of Sunday's game. I mean, what a bizarre W. Yeah, that. But I mean, how about the fact that this series started incredibly hot? This looked like it was going to be what we expected it to be. One pitch into this series, Jaron Duran says, "Hey, I'm back here. How about I just crush one to dead center?" The Sox get off to a four zero lead in game one. Like it. It looked like it was supposed to look. It was like, okay, they're going to come into Chicago. They're going to, you know, steamroll the Cubs, and they're going to set off on this like big chapter of the season. I think that was that was probably the toughest part of the whole thing is that it out of the gate looked so good, and yeah. it just it just never lived up to that. Yeah, I so on the Cape this week uh, with Elaine with the family. It's definitely a fun time. Around the fourth, we're normally down here. Got to a couple of Cape League games. We'll talk about that later. Um, and so it's always like a little bit of a chill vibe, right? And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, Sox are going to Chicago. Joey and I, and we'll talk about this in a second. We were supposed to be there, but, you know, ended up not being there. And Thank now God. we're probably thankful that we weren't. But 
we were we're walking around Harwichport, and I bought this like Jaws board game. Ooh. And so I'm thinking, all right, we're gonna have a couple like orange dries with some ice, maybe a couple DCs, get some ruffles going. Very chill vibe for that Friday game. You and I mm. had done a lot of recording last week. Uh, we have a really great player interview coming up. Uh, probably in a week or so that I'm extremely excited to drop. But, Joey, we were busy. We were busy leading up until Friday. Mm -hmm. So really pumped for that that afternoon start just to kind of chill. Sox, to your point, get out to a very hot start. Jaron Duran's like, I'm back. First pitch, laid a bye. And then you get the 4-0 lead. And I'm with you. I'm thinking... This is going to be the easiest sweep for the year. It's They're just going to go to Wrigley. It's over, dude. Don't even play the rest of the games. I honestly figured, all right, they're just going to go to Wrigley, take care of business. The Toronto thing, it's not easy playing in Toronto, all right? You didn't have your clothes. You didn't have your leadoff guy. Understandable it's on them because that's why they're not there. But that's a good ball club, even though it seems like the Blue Jays lose to everybody else and just beat the Red Sox But um, after that Rays series this weekend. But you, you think that early start there in game one – cooking and then it just falls apart i don't want to talk about robles that much but my point joey is with the cape thing mm -hmm. is we started playing this jaws board game off to the side i was watching the game on the side i'm thinking yeah, yeah, all right yeah. this is going to be a blowout i'm listening to, to ob and uke in the background this is going to be a blowout you know i don't like missing any pitches but at least mm -hmm. i'm listening we're trying to figure out this game it was impossible to play it's like eight pages of directions i'm like this is so stupid all those and board i look games over like, yeah, yeah yeah no i know i just wanted it to be like They're you know roll three like slices you know jaws eats a couple people i don't know but it wasn't <laughs> like that so yeah. i i look over and i'm like what's going on like why why is this a ball game and mm -hmm. sure enough, I think I messed up. I sent a tweet that I deleted because I had the, the stats all wrong. But I thought Robles came in with two outs and then just mm -hmm. completely imploded. But no, he got two outs and then completely imploded. What yeah. he, what Robles did in, what was it, the sixth inning yep. was almost hard to do. To the point where, and I don't think Euclid was incorrect in saying this, I think it got to the point where he was kind of just pitching around. I think it was Hap. Mm -hmm. to load the bases for whoever was coming in after. He did so poorly that we're like, please load the bases so we can at least get a force at every base. You were awful, but at least leave us with this. Mm -hmm. At least leave us with a force at every base. And he mm -hmm. walked his third guy in the inning. And, and then um, and gave us the sweet relief of Jake Diekman. I know, Thank exactly. Goodness, yeah. That exactly. was tough. But, but dude, that was one of the worst appearances of any Red Sox reliever in a good amount of time. Yeah, I mean, it put a hard stop on the offense too. I mean, it's probably yeah. just it, it more than likely just like coincidence, but uh, the top of the sixth is when, is when Vasquez gets thrown out at the plate, you know, one run scores, Vasquez tries to make it too, gets thrown out at home, whatever. Bottom of the sixth, Robles does his thing. He goes out there and does exactly as he promises. That's exactly what he does. Yeah, exactly that's the thing. He does advertised. his thing. Yeah. That's his thing. Yeah, they're like, here's Robles and tie game coming right up. And I was like, he better. <laughs> oh, nice. He did it. Thank you. Yeah. And left them loaded for Diekman. Sick job. Uh, yeah. And then I I don't remember the number either, but it was like, I'm pretty sure it was like 18 innings where the Sox scored one run, two runs. It was From bad. there going forward, like it it killed the momentum. Crazy. I mean, like, and I, I know we both just agreed, like, I don't want to talk too much about Robles. But I mean, that was like an indictment, dude. That was That was really, really bad. That's tough to overlook. Like just how much of an effect that that had all around, um, yeah. yeah I mean, it felt like right there was right, no right coming at, back. Real quick, there. just just to get the stat, like they had after scoring that one in the top of the six, Vasquez gets gunned down. You go seven, eight, nine, all zeros mm -hmm. after the uh, Cubs took the lead in the bottom of the sixth. You guys go quietly into the night, 
lose the game six to five, score one run on Saturday, and then today was just <laughs> the most random. We'll get yeah. to that, but it's the most random win I think I've seen in a long, long time for this team. So you basically went. Let me do math. Math is not my strong suit here, but we went three plus nine, nine, is 12. twelve. Yeah, thirteen innings, one run. Thirteen yeah. innings, one run. J- just to confirm that one, but it's yeah, it's just that game on Friday got out of hand, and they couldn't recover. And I honestly believe that when a pitcher implodes like that, especially a reliever, I genuinely believe that rubs off on the lineup. Like I know they're completely different, and it's supposed to be separate, but. When you have something like that and your mentality in the Red Sox dugout is, oh, we're playing an inferior team. We can beat the Cubs. Shouldn't have much trouble. And Joey, after now sitting here, you know, with the Sox leaving with one win, it really is bad that they're leaving with one win. Like, considering how these games went, the Red Sox didn't even play well, and they still should have won the series. Like, that game on Friday gets away from you. Saturday... The bats can't get going against a full bullpen game for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Winkowski was great, and they ruined that start. So you still should have won the series, and I think that's probably what's annoying. But it's hard to say that when they could have easily got swept. So I think maybe we sometimes need to take a step back and say, just be thankful they left Chicago with the win. And that for two series in a row, for our sake, Joe, yeah. that they won on recording day. Yeah, I guess. I mean, when you look at the our series preview for this, series and we had Crawley on from fly the w he predicted one win for the cubs he, he didn't predict a series win for the cubs and i think that was still him being a little generous i think you I nicely said too i think he with a little bit of razzmatazz in his soul said the cubs are gonna win one yeah i don't think anyone saw this coming and the, what's frustrating about it you touched on it a little bit too they 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 waste the winkowski start uh Seabold doesn't have a, a bad outing. I mean, it's his second major league start. It's like the the rotation is destroyed right now. The rotation oh, it doesn't exist right now. Yeah, Hill, Winkowski, Seabold. It, like, yeah. come on. It, the, the rotation is in, a, in a, an incredibly tough spot. And so when you have Hill, Winkowski, Seabold, and they, they do what they do, bullpen aside, just what the starters do, you can't... Those are the moments where you can't fall flat offensively, and that's exactly what they did. And that's what that's yeah. what's so frustrating about it is like you have these guys giving you quality starts in places where like you can't expect it, you can't bank on it, and they're still doing it. And the guys that you should be banking on are not showing up. This is, I mean, that was this whole story of April. I'm just recounting every. If you missed every episode in April, that's what we said over and over again. Is like, man, like the. The arms are giving you stuff. How about the offense gets going? And it just, it was a little bit of deja vu this whole weekend, just like seeing that again. That sucked. Yeah. So I I honestly think it's a good time to dive into what the big three has been doing lately. And it's really been hurting the Red Sox that Bogey, Devers, and JD have not been playing at the peak of their powers or not even close to it. And the last 11 games, Xander, JD, and Rafael Devers are collectively hitting 220 with one home run. And oh. that just can't happen. And honestly, in that span, I think they're seven and four. So like they're still winning ball games without mm-hmm. these guys clicking, but it's so noticeable when JD's not clicking. Like it really is, because he normally is a guy you can rely on. My concern though, Joey, is the power is way down. Uh he's a guy that in the three full seasons he's been on the Red Sox, throw away the COVID year. He's averaged 35 home runs a year, and this season he's on pace for 18. 
So it's it feels like it too. It feels like he's been on pace for half as many home runs as he normally hits. And even though early in the year when things were going well, is that the fireworks? <laughs> The fire, the city fireworks just started outside my house. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll cut around. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let's, let's chill for a second. Mm -hmm. Nope. And they stop. There we go. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for coming out. The city of Manchester's (laughs) whole budget. Uh, We can can keep it rolling. So it's just, it's noticeable when these guys aren't cooking. And now that you have Jaron Duran in the, in the leadoff spot, Chaos Duran, which is actually exactly what it was. He's at 360 in this series, flying all over the place, doing what he always does. You need to have the big three contributing at a high level, and it hasn't happened recently. They haven't all been hot for a while. Weirdly enough, Joey, when they were all really clicking, the team was not playing that well, mm-hmm. and now it's kind of role reversal, and I, I get it from a certain standpoint of, you need everybody to contribute to win these games. You need, if they're not clicking, then you need the bottom of the lineup to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Verdugo's played very well lately. He was stinging some balls in this series and getting screwed uh, right at guys. Trevor Story ends up getting a couple in today, even though that was absolutely ridiculous. He's been pretty cold. So overall, you're just not... I'm surprised, honestly, that they've been winning the amount of games they're winning, considering that the big three guys are not producing at a high level. Yeah. No, 100%. I want to run through the uh, the numbers for just this series here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Story went one for nine. JD went one for eight. Bogey went one for ten. Uh, and then getting into the other folks here, uh, Ref Snyder went 0 for five. Uh, Arroyo, two for three today with a run. Huge for him. Uh, a couple good catches, too. He, he had a big uh, big day. Yeah, um, I was going to say I'd like to see those numbers that you just threw out minus Devers. Uh, because because Devers uh, did go four for fifteen in this series, uh, a little bit of an uptick for him. Uh, let Ver- me ca- let me calculate because I okay. have the raw numbers, but keep going. All right, uh, Verdugo went three for thirteen, and my prediction came true. He did keep his hit streak alive. All three of those hits, one each night. Uh, so his ten game hit streak is now a thirteen game hit streak. Uh, nailed JBJ that. nailed that. I sure did. Thank you. I'd say you should be a little more excited. That's a good prediction that okay. you got right. right. Let me, that's a let me, that's a good let me, let's, that's a good job. Thanks. Yeah, let me turn up my excitement a little bit here. <clears throat> that's yeah. right. I did it. Um, <laughs> JBJ went two for five with three RBIs. Uh, Franchi four for eleven, and Duran five for fourteen with three RBIs. So Franchi the bottom really of should your... have been three for eleven, but yeah. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, we we're gonna talk what, about it every show. Like, what the hell is an error? But I mean, I'm if that's not an error, right what now. is it? <laughs> I I don't. I mean, what are we doing? Like, like genuinely, what's going on? Like for that I, again, I'm just gonna keep the the cape theme is gonna be what I'm saying all episode. Outside, hanging out with Elaine. I'm trying to get some mm-hmm. sun. I am the palest guy on the planet. I'm trying to get a tan. Mm-hmm. You know, before we head out to L.A. La La Land and watching the game out there. And I overheard Dave say, and they just gave Franchi a hit and an RBI. I'm like, are you <laughs> kidding me? That's the a whole hit thing. A- the whole thing we've talked about before is like, well, if it's it's a fly ball and nobody touches it and it touches the ground, then then who do you even give the error to? You know, like I, I guess know. that's the logic. But when it's in and out of the web, when it has the like guy- seven seconds of hang time in the infield. 
Why was that? Franchi was... hits a ball way up in the. It's right in the sun. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they lost it. First baseman has to try to cover for the second baseman losing it. If you're going to act like I remember the Cubs lineup, forget about it. No. Guy drops the it's ball. Rivas. Rivas at first. Of course, it's Rivas at yeah. first, my guy. And he drops the ball in his glove. Verdugo's like, all right, I'll score. Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna give it to us like this, fine. And Franchi gets a hit in an RBI. Like, see this, Joey. This is where we earn our credit as not being a hundred percent homers, mm-hmm. because in no scenario on no planet is that a hit or an RBI. And he got both of them. No. So, and and obviously, I'm a big Franchi guy. I mm-hmm. was not last year, and he's made me a fan. Um, and he's he's genuinely a blast to watch. And the ABs are great and all that fun stuff. But I think he'd be the first to tell you, like, he'd probably look at the box score, like, wait, I, when did I get an RBI? <laughs> like, oh, it was the pop-up that could, they lost in the sun and that went in his glove and he dropped. I just, scorekeepers, man, so I don't I don't get it anymore. Like, no. So tell me what I'm missing. Because if you're calling that a hit in an RBI, you're giving an earned run to the pitcher for that? Are you kidding me? That's true. Makes I no didn't sense. think about that. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That going down as an earned run is like... I don't want to yeah. say the scorekeeper deserves jail time, but like something a little <laughs> below that, probably. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? So I'm glad you mentioned that. I was probably going to forget, and I, I needed well, to let that out a little what's, bit. What's what's a step down from jail time in your mind? Um, like a community a, like service, a, like a spanking. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> <laughs> like the the umpire. You know the amount of people in jail right now that'd be like, "I'll take a spanking." <laughs> like, give me that. Are you kidding me? That versus yeah. jail time. Community service is a way better answer. Way more. <laughs> this guy committed yeah. tax fraud. Yeah. He's either going to five years of prison or getting a couple. Yeah, the judge. Spankings. Yeah, the judge takes you over their knee and yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think it's community. <laughs> yeah, service. community service is actually the answer. That's like actually. Which lower than jail time in in the yeah, United so States court? The, yeah, the Cubs scorekeeper should have to do community service mm-hmm. after calling that an RBI and a hit by Franchi. You have to be bleeping kidding me with that. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the moral of what he we're trying to talk about he went four for eleven. He went four for eleven. Is that Fran? And yes, yeah. and he's even when he gets out, I'm not upset because he just made the the guy throw like eight pitches. Like he normally has extremely productive at bats. It's to the point now with Franchi that if he doesn't. Ha- give you an app at where you're like, even when he strikes, you're like, hey, still a good IB. Like, then it's surprising, which yeah. is crazy that that's the case. Last year, it was obviously a lot of garbage. But no, Franchi's really turned it around. But to your uh, to answer your question a while ago, mm-hmm. the average of Xander Bogarts and J.D. Martinez in the last 11 games is 175. Oh, so my that's that's got to change. They got to turn it around. I want your thoughts on this, Joey. So Cora mm-hmm. sits... JD and Story on Sunday, and understandable mm-hmm. Story goes in there because of the Bogey issue. I was heading to the the Hyannis game. Is is Bogey? What's the deal with Bogey? Yeah, so a uh, hard slide. Um, Bogey was kind of cleated down. Yeah, yeah, it took took a cleat right above the knee, um, and they were working on him for a minute on the field, and they kind of gave this look of like, "Hey, I think we gotta take you out," and he walked yeah. off just fine. He trotted down the stairs just fine uh and then the report came back of a laceration so it which is just a fancy word for a cut for anybody out there that's not a former emt like myself uh yep. just a it's just a cut so it, it's nothing it's nothing so uh, my guess is that they probably had trouble stopping the bleeding on the field and like maybe he needed some stitches or something but he, i mean he trotted right off the field he was just fine so nothing to be okay. concerned about there 
Well, Cora said that he needed seven stitches, and he's day to day. So is that? Oh, is that for? I, oh, wow. There we go. That was from TC tweeted that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would assume. I mean, you got obviously we're uh, a ways from the series preview, but you got a lot of big games coming up here. And mm-hmm. if we know Bogey like we think we do, he's probably telling Cora right now, like I'm playing tomorrow. So mm-hmm. I'd be stunned if this is anything. Uh, serious because they said it's day to day, but still, Bogey's got to get it going, man. I I know it's tough because we talk about how he deserves to be in the top two for All Star voting, yet he's slumping right now. The timing of the slump is not great, mm-hmm. and I don't know how much of those the stats really go into the voting because Bobashet was way ahead of everybody yeah, else. But doesn't matter. He ends up yeah two K behind Tim Anderson. If he had a couple more hits, Joey, he would have been ahead of Tim Anderson. That's obviously how that works. Mm-hmm. But they got to get it going. They got to get it going when JD's not right. It's apparent because it's not common that he's not right. When Xander's not right, it's a lot of those long swings and the hang in the head and, you know, trotting to first. And these mm-hmm. guys got to get going because Devers, to his credit, is not really slumping. His slumps are when he's hitting like 260 instead yeah. of 330. So mm-hmm. they were showing the stats on, on Fox. By the way, AJ Pierzynski, I've never been a big Pierzynski guy. Mm-hmm. He's got to do a little more homework. Like he was. He was like, J.D.'s, you know, hot coming into this series. J.D.'s not hot coming into this series. And he mm-hmm. didn't know if the NL has a DH in the All-Star game. Like, they do. He's assuming that, like, all the, the big three on the Sox are going to get in the All-Star game. That's a big assumption. I don't think mm-hmm. that's going to happen. So, I, I don't know. I'm just like, do your homework, dude. I understand it's a national game, but wasn't overly pumped with that. What else uh, stuck out to you in this series? Uh, dude, I think the most consistent thing that happened is... The fact that the the Sox, like you talked about, you know, the power being down for JD, power kind of being down across the board, right? Bogey hasn't got a home run in a month. Uh, things are what they are in that regard. Uh, there must have been, if I had to guess, eighteen flyouts to the warning track. Yeah, I feel like every other at bat there was like a, there was a deep fly, and half the time it was making it all the way to the dirt. Yeah, that was that was beyond frustrating. Felt like the only way the Sox could play was small ball. I mean, that was the name of the game today in the Sunday game. Uh, the first six hits of the game uh, were all in the infield. Uh, it wasn't until Bobby came up, and you obviously knew. I mean, this one's you know this one's not staying in the infield, not with Bobby. Um, but yeah, it took seven hits for something to leave the infield. I think that's incredible. I mean, dude, Devers bunting. That was hilarious. That was, I did what not was see that, that huh? I think we should have known this was going to be a funky game when when Devers was putting the bunt down. I had never mm. seen the Red Sox have that bad a contact consistently for like a five inning stretch. Mm-hmm. It was just everything was little dribblers, little bloops, and like everything was staying in the infield. And finally, Bob got one out of the infield, even though Bob's driving me nuts. But um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a weird series. I fully agree with your assessment of like the throwaway the tapes. This mm-hmm. is one you're not really going to remember. People at Wrigley probably. We're expecting more. And we might as well talk about that, Joey. Like, So we were supposed to be at Wrigley. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to be there in Chicago. We're not going to dive into why we're not there. But, I mean, it was probably waiting a little too long to figure it out. And then all of a sudden it was like, all right, we're not going. We are obviously are ecstatic that we'll get to go to New York City and then L.A. for the All-Star Game. Can't wait for that. We're doing an ITM road trip, basically a 10-day road trip that's going to go from Yankee Stadium to Dodger Stadium for the All-Star Game to Cooperstown for David Ortiz getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. And that's going to be incredible. Can't wait. But I wanted to go to Wrigley for a while, and this one was circled on the calendar the second the schedule came out. Honestly, it was also 
an asterisk next to it. I can never say asterisk. I don't know how to say the word because it was July 4th weekend. So it's like, ah, all right. Don't be on the cape for this. I don't know. It's going to be kind of tough to figure out. Right. And then you see the game Friday. And right off the bat, I'm thinking, damn it. They're just going to win every game like 10 to nothing. And we're not going to be there. And they end up losing that one. They lose Saturday. And those are the two games we were going to be there. We were going to be there Friday, Saturday, and then yeah. fly out for the one day it was sunny. We were going to be coming back to Boston. So it's weird. I was asking you, Joey, and mm-hmm. anyone listening, I'm curious your thoughts. So just answer after I say it. Mm-hmm. Um, I am curious if you guys also think that when your plans fall through, if you want that thing that's still going on to be terrible so that you don't have the FOMO of like, OMG, I missed the greatest weekend of the summer. Because, Joey, I'm not going to lie. I wanted the Sox to win, but I didn't mm-hmm. want the weekend to look like the most fun weekend of all time, and it didn't. Important note. Important note about the Sox winning. Yeah. Yeah, of course I'm not rooting yeah, for yeah. losses, even though, I, contrary to popular belief, <laughs> I... I <laughs> <laughs> I wanted them. I was going to say back to back shows, dude. You got to you got to actually no, I know, say no, I know, I know. We're not, explicitly not want the Sox to win. But yeah, but no, but still think about mm-hmm. it. Like we, I would have been totally cool. Like we said in the preview with Crawley, like two mm-hmm. out of three for the Sox. I'm I'm fine with that. I, I never guarantee a sweep, but mm-hmm. seeing that we were spo- we were kind of supposed to be there, mm-hmm. and then we weren't. I'm like, all right, it didn't look like a memorable weekend in Chicago. So mm-hmm. I I'm not that pumped, or I'm my, not that pissed about it. Rather, yeah. My, my first thought on friday was like the cubs wearing the wrigleyville city connect thing i was like this doesn't even feel like socks cubs i know like I know. this doesn't even feel special at this moment we'll get into wrigley and all that later but I, I i didn't feel like the magic i was missing out on something but i get what you're saying i mean you know if your buddies come back from a party that like you were you know supposed to go to and something came up the last thing you want to hear them say is like, oh, dude, you should have been there. You should have seen it's it. Crazy man. I, oh, Doug's was juggling again, bro, and you missed it. And you're like, <laughs> Doug's I missed. really good at juggling. You're like, Doug's juggling again. I thought he thought he threw in the towel, and then like you feel like a fool because you missed Doug juggling, and you're like, yeah. don't even tell me what he juggled. And then before you can say that, they're like flaming bowling pins. And uh, yeah, so of course, like you want to be there to see that. Um, but I, I get you, dude, that you're like, I hope that there's just like, I don't know. I hope it's just like raining the second the game ends or something. So you guys aren't having <laughs> all that much fun. Well, I hear so many great things about Wrigleyville that I'm like, if this is perfect weather, socks are crushing the Cubs. It's mm-hmm. the weekend. You got the deep dish pies flowing around because that's what happens. Yeah. I just didn't want I didn't want other people to be happy. Basically, <laughs> I feel like I'm a bad person. I was like, I didn't want anyone else to have fun because we weren't there. And uh, that's a selfish thing to say, but we have some Wrigley thoughts coming up. But before that, we will take a break on episode 30 of Inside the Monster. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, Joey, I got two things. Two things. Yep. One about the broadcast on Nessun and yes. one about a Wrigley tradition. Mm-hmm. So, I'll start with the Wrigley tradition. I love that they do the 220 Friday games. Well, 120 local, but... Mm-hmm. You know, our time, 2.20. I think that has always been a great, like, beginning to a weekend. Because MLB Network normally carries it, like, every time. Every Wrigley Mm -hmm. 2 o'clock game, they normally seem to carry it. So, over the years, it's been a fun one to tune into. It's everyone at the park looks like they're having fun, drinking. The beer snakes are going on. You got to figure that then leads into the, you know, Wrigleyville night scene. And you just keep it rolling Probably a lot of people that end up the next day thinking, what have I done? But it looks like a really fun crowd. And I'm saying that like I haven't been. I went to one of these Friday games three years ago in, in 19 when the Red Sox were playing the White Sox. We went over to Wrigley and went to one of these Friday games. And it's like the coolest. If you ever get a chance to do it, you have to do it. It is the coolest baseball feeling. It's like you're watching a game in like olden time. I don't know. It's like a throwback because the park's so traditional. But then... And everyone's having beers and just laughing and having fun. You're, you're, it's just kind of like a time travel machine uh, for baseball fans, and I would highly mm-hmm. recommend it. The one thing, though, and this is where I'm transitioning to the broadcast, is as a fan at home, that 20 minutes takes so long. When you're used to the first pitch being at like 7.07 or mm-hmm. 7.10, that extra 10 to 13 minutes is an eternity, and I, I hate it. I don't understand. What do you mean? You don't have to turn on the television at 2 p.m. Joey, can I let me clarify? Yeah. As as a Sox guy, which you are as well. Yeah. When you see that the game is at like 2 or at 1 or at 7, mm-hmm. I always put the game on at that time knowing, all right, maybe I'll catch a tidbit or two before first pitch, but first pitch is like right around the corner. Yeah, when it's twenty minutes from that hour, it feels like I think I I but think this is one of my. But you knew before the game started. It's like okay, I'll turn it on at two fifteen. What I'm trying to tell you, Joey, is like habits here is what I'm saying. Okay, because when okay. you see the t- the time that it starts with, your brain goes just tune in at two, and then you'll uh-huh. like it'll it'll come up soon. But mm. I this is one of my least engaged with tweets of all time. But I'm gonna I'm gonna read it here on the program. The 20 minutes before these 2:20 Cubs game starts takes at least an hour. No one really cared about tweet. that. It's a good tweet. It's a good it tweet. got it, it got minimal likes. No one really mm-hmm. cared about it. One reply, um, and the one reply was just clarifying that the but 20 the- minutes is actually 20 minutes. It's not, <laughs> but it's the not thing a- that I don't get is that you knew that it's at 2:20. That's like that's like <sighs> saying like, oh man, these five hours before the 7 p.m. start. Uh, <laughs> no, it no, takes so long. I thought you would agree. I'm kind of pumped that you're that you don't get what I'm saying. Like you, do you get what I'm saying? That when you when if your you brain tune is programmed, in it too, but I don't do that. I don't do that. I I okay. sometimes I miss first pitch. I hate to like we have tweeted about it before that like I feel like every time I turn on the TV, it's always the second pitch. Like I'm I if it's a 107, I'm tuning in at 105. Like yeah. I'm I'm gonna be doing things right up until that moment. I'm a busy guy, Steve. I no, got of business course. deals. I mean, you and, hey, let's be real. You are a dad. You are a father. Um, 
but here's that the is deal. such a cop out. Yeah, that's absolutely not what I'm doing. But yes, if I if, if I yeah. were in that, I would use that all the time for an excuse mm-hmm. for everything. But I just, in closing, for this this part that really matters in this episode, I really hate the 220 starts. But I just hate how much it drags on. And I realized so Nesson did this thing, mm-hmm. and I, I got a lot of friends over there, so I'll, I'll tiptoe around this one. But Nesson did this thing where they had Jemai go interview the fans, some like mm-hmm. Sox fans around Wrigley. Mm-hmm. And when I say what the fans were giving him for answers were terrible, that's an understatement, Joey. They they gave mm-hmm. my boy Jemai is being left out to dry out there. He was asking legitimate questions. Hey, first time at Wrigley, what's your favorite part about the park? And these people are like, it's pretty cool, pretty cool. Expand. <laughs> like you get give them something. You're on Nesson. And I don't know if they didn't make it clear enough of like you're gonna be on like basically the broadcast because mm-hmm. Clearly, Nesson's idea was like, we got to fill time, extra time that we don't normally have before first pitch. Right, so, hey, right. Jemai, and I don't know if it was his idea, Stevie D, whoever, like, go out and 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 get some fan interviews. But I swear they must have, and it's not their fault, but they must have picked the worst fans of all time <laughs> that just gave them absolutely nothing. One of the kids was out in mm-hmm. center, and he was, like, nervous. This older guy was nervous. I get that you got a camera on you. It's a little nerve-wracking. But, like, he was interviewing, like, a four-year-old kid. It was just... And they replayed it for game three. They did it for game one and game three to to, to build in the time that they needed until first pitch. And I'm watching like did, this. Was is there improvement? Tough. Was there improvement from game one to game three? No, my point is they used the same exact <gasps> five minute segment for game one and game three. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Which was which was a little tough. Mm-hmm. But I texted Jemai and I was like, dude, I I feel like I feel bad. They gave you nothing. Mm-hmm. And he just he he hit it with some laugh emojis and was like mm-hmm. My man, I I did not see that coming. <laughs> I mean, well, you just you never know what you're gonna get though, right? It's man yeah. on the street stuff. It's man on the street stuff, and you're just kind of hoping for the best. But people That's are the stuttering. Worst, There's man. a lot a lot of ums, and I'm like, guys, come on, work like, your media, people. I know, work, do like seven years of podcasting, and then answer Jemai's questions. Like, what the hell? But no, I I just I felt my point being, I just felt bad for Jemai because. I think he does a great job, and these people were giving him. No- it felt like you know the the Little League World Series when they do interviews, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they just they're just yes or no answers basically. Even if the questions are good, that's kind of what it felt like. So, I mean, I can't imagine doing that. I can't imagine doing Jemai's job in any capacity. But like, talking no. to strangers, just being like, "So talk to me, yeah, what's up?" That 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 sucks, man. I can't imagine. You think you doing could do? That. Do you think you could do sock sideline? Do you think you no, could do that? Absolutely not. No. no. Do you think no, I could no. do that? Yes. Okay. I think you got. I think you got a voice for it. I think you got a whole thing about you. I mean, I don't go do it because then I mean the podcast doesn't exist. So like, no, that's I'd fair. Like if, I'd like if you stayed here and did this, please. I, I could but, promise you a good amount of folks at Nessa would not want that either. So <laughs> I, I think I think both parties are understanding here. But, I mean, um, I would I would be so awkward, but I'd be like, yeah, dude, I don't know, um, Arroyo, uh, talk to him. He didn't really he didn't really talk to me. He seemed busy. So the vibes are good down here. Back to you. Back to you, OP. Back to you, that would OP. Be pretty good. I would like yeah. that. That would, that would, I think that would be hilarious personally. But once, one thing, once. one thing, Joey, we got to talk about yeah. is we got two big pieces of news this weekend that were not game related, mm-hmm. and those were Garrett Whitlock is going to go back to the bullpen for the rest of the season, and Jaron Duran. Let's actually let let's. I know I'm just making more work for you, but let's drop the audio in of Will Fleming's question. And Alex Cora's answer to the Duran 
topic. Sharon Duran has been unbelievable. I mean, he takes the three days off and he comes back, leads off the series with a home run, and he did it, a lot of things really well at the plate yesterday, including in the ninth inning when he sets the table for everything that's going on. Is he doing enough now to make you believe that no matter who's healthy, who's here, Jaron Duran's going to be your leadoff hitter? Uh, we believe so. I believe so. I think uh, there's the guy that we envision hitting the ball the other way, working the counts, putting the ball in play. Not too many swings and misses. And he's playing good defense in center field. Uh, obviously, we know about the, his speed is elite, you know, and he puts pressure on the opposition. But the quality of the bats are, you know, night and day compared to last year. So uh, we're very pleased with the way he's playing. So considering we just played that, let's just we'll react to that now. Mm-hmm ecstatic i mean that is you know when like you and i are talking about stuff a lot of times it is informed on things we've heard from folks information we've gotten from a player or from cora it's not overly often but a lot of times it's not just like we're throwing it out there and just hoping it happens right with the duran needing to stay in the leadoff spot we're just both like it just has to happen that wasn't based off of Cora being like hey it's we're gonna stick with them so to hear that audio I was so excited that it's like, all right, this is going to happen. Chaos Duran mm. looks like your leadoff guy, walks like your leadoff guy, talks like your leadoff guy. He's your leadoff guy. And to hear that and to have that reassurance, it's got to be, first off, huge for Jaron because mm. he, you know, he was in a position where it's like, am I going back down? Am I going to stay up? And like, I'm sure mm. that was his mentality of, how many times are we going to do this? How many times are we going to do this back and forth? So for Alex Cora, who's a guy that does not if he if he tells you something, he means it. He's not just throwing words around. Right. If he's saying like, yeah, we're we're likely going to stick with Jaron in the leadoff spot, he means that. So that's an enormous tidbit there. Great question by Will and and a great answer. A great answer by the manager. I, <laughs> I'm just I'm just excited that that's going to happen. Yeah. So I, I got to ask you, um, partially because I want your opinion. Partially because I want, I think you have a better understanding of the um, limitations that the team might have or the moves and blah, 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 blah. Um, what do you do with Kike? What ha- what's the correct decision when Kike comes back? I think the one piece of this, I've digested this a lot because the Duran thing has developed over the last couple of weeks. And I think every game we watch him, I, I probably sound very repetitive on Twitter where I'm like, Jaron Duran's so great. I love him. But like, it's, it's like because what? it's because every, what's that? You sound like what? Jaron Duran's great. Love him. He's so awesome. It's because every game he's doing stuff where I'm like the other guy. And I'm not, I'm not saying keep well, Kike partially, but like your potential other leadoff guys ain't doing that. They're not doing what Jaron's doing, and they're not doing it consistently. Maybe they do it one out of every four or five games. Jaron is having great at-bats, a lot of contact, laying off tough pitches, fastest guy on the planet, can recover in the field. He's no Jackie, and Kike, I think, is more consistent. But Duran's faster than both of them, so it kind of makes up for his lack of judgment off the bat. So the Kike thing is so interesting, and he's got to be – we haven't talked about this element of it. Mm-hmm. Kike's got to be like, yo, what about me, y'all? <laughs> I have <laughs> like, not for a moment considered how Kike feels about all this. I, I th- haven't I'm even just thought now, about it. I'm just now thinking, and let's just call a spade a spade here. If I'm mm-hmm. Kike Hernandez, I'm obviously not pumped. No. I'm obviously not pumped that no. I was out uh, initially with COVID, and that's why Jaron got a game, I believe, in uh, at Fenway. And then I'm out with an injury, and now Jaron's back. And 
Now he's hitting, what, 340, 330, and producing at a high level, and Twitter's a buzz about him, and people like him. Obviously, the vaccine stuff was not great, but sounds but like he's, he's going to be... A, yeah, sounds like yeah. he'll be available for the next Toronto series, so... I got to feel some type of way if I'm Kike Hernandez. And while I say that that's okay for him to feel, once you get over maybe some saltiness, which is totally fine, I'd be curious where I'm going to be, Joey. I really would be. And I don't know if the obvious move, maybe not obvious, Jackie is potentially, I don't want to say going to be an odd man out, but that might be where we're going. I just would, Would you see them doing that? That's, yeah. So stats has been throwing that around. Yeah, because if stats says something, I, I consider it as gospel. It's like okay, then let's talk about it. Right. Jackie is probably the guy before Kike is in yeah. terms of guys that you move. Uh, you know, you're not going to send either of those guys down. It's probably a matter of moving pieces, trying to get something in return. Uh. I don't I don't know. I don't I mean it's not going to be Kike, I don't think. I don't see no. Kike coming back and then getting dealt. I don't. No, I I think the discussion with Kike that's been realistic is does this make it kind of clear that they wouldn't re-sign him? Which I I don't mm-hmm. think. I mean again, it's early. Jaron's been up here for what, 3 weeks, so it's not mm-hmm. a lot of things can change, obviously. And we're not even at the All-Star break yet, even though it's, you know, almost the halfway point of the season. But if I'm mm-hmm. Kike, the only thing I know, if I'm Kike Hernandez, I'm thinking, what about me? Like, I know that he hasn't had the start to the season he wanted, mm-hmm. but we do know what he's capable of. And before the season started, we were already talking, can we have him here for like three more years? Can you, can we like extend him now? Mm-hmm. Now it's at a point where it's a real debate. But at the core of this, I got to tip my cap to Jaron because – Talking to him briefly, and you were there talking in the dugout, mm-hmm. I think his confidence was at a level of like, I know I can do this. Like, I know I can mm-hmm. play. I know I can stay here. It just it sucks when it becomes a numbers game. And I'm not yeah. talking stats. When it becomes a bodies game, it's like, all right, well, you're paying Kike seven a year, and Jackie's a, I don't want to say a fan favorite, but obviously he's built up a lot of respect around here. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have that. And that's a guy that hadn't had the vaccine. So, like, obviously, that was another reason why people were pissed at him. And now I got to just tip my cap because he's played his ass off and he's been great. And he's earned Cora giving Will that answer of he's going to stay. Yeah. And he, ha- I, th- I think personally, I think he needed that, uh, that inspiration. You know, like he needed yeah. something to kind of light his fire a little bit. And as a fan, I think you just got to kind of cross your fingers right now and hope that the same effect happens with Kike that this lights a fire in him and says, you know what, like it kind of is like me or Jackie right now. And I don't know, just cross your fingers as a fan and hope that Kike comes back and, and excels does, does what he's capable of. Uh, Cause I mean, this year, the beginning of this year, it was pretty obvious he was down on himself and that didn't work. So maybe he needs to, you know, light something inside and say, no, 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 no. Like, I know that you're you're out here, kid, and you're doing your thing, but so am I. I'm Kike Hernandez, and I'm back. But yeah, but only- hey, that's that's a good point though. That there's an element of this where it's like no pro likes getting, and I don't want to say shown up, but mm-hmm. no pro wants to get replaced. His spot or, taken, yeah, exactly. You don't want to have, and at least have the appearance 
of your spot getting taken by a kid. And Jaron's no kid. He's 26 or whatever. But still, really? if I'm Kike Hernandez, I got a ring. I don't want Jaron taking my spot. But as, mm-hmm. as fans, which we are, Joey, mm-hmm. we're loving what Jaron's doing. And he needs to stay. Cora's saying he's going to stay. He's going to be in that leadoff spot. Chaos Duran still going to be a thing. Now it becomes, what do you do? Do you move Jaron to right? Is Jackie in trouble? Um, mm-hmm. You know, Ref Snyder's been a great addition up here. You're going to have to start moving some pieces around. One thing, though, this is this is the high and bloom Red Sox. You know, it's he does this intentionally. By bringing a guy like Kike, adding starter arms, bullpen obviously needs a little bit of help, and and Whitlock, as we're about to talk about, is going to be a big part of that. But Hyam Bloom's claim to fame, the way I look at him, he plays the numbers game, and he understands these guys eventually, some of them are going to get hurt, and they're going to go to the IL, and other guys are going to get chances. If they perform well, that's not a problem. You would rather have these guys come up, Winkowski, Duran, Franchi, and perform at a high level instead of try to patch holes and it's obvious they can't play here. So I, I think this is a good problem to have. It's just not a good problem for Kike to have. Right. right. <laughs> so it that's does. It. it is a, it is a cool problem to have. Be like, man, everybody's doing so good. Like how, how do we keep all our guys? That well, we the guy, like, guys, a lot of guys you don't expect to be playing well are playing well. Right. I mean, so. dude, the, yeah. The amount of names that are, that are here right now that weren't here day one, you know, Duran, uh, ref Snyder, Obviously, um, Franchi, Winkowski, even Siebel with these spot starts. Siebel, yeah. yeah, Cutter Crawford for a little bit there. Uh, it's it's awesome. It's awesome to have a farm system that's deep as the loudest motorcycle in the world goes by. Do you hear that? Oh, you I hear, hear him that? every time. Yeah, I hear him every time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like you got some strong eyes, ears. I mean, by <laughs> eyes, eyes, those eye ears. Um, but yeah, I mean, Durant's also, dude. He's he's coming up in big moments too. You know, which is like something that mm. you don't see from guys who are just coming up. You know, you see guys like performing. Well, and whatever, having hot streaks, but like in clutch moments too, I think that uh, carries a little bit extra weight. You know, in the in the ninth inning of of game two, he he gets a leadoff double. You know, it's a yeah. two run game, and jeez, Louise! Uh, you have a motorcycle fest going on outside. Is yeah, that sorry, no, it's in my living room. Motorcycle fest two K twenty two. Yeah, I forgot I was hosting that this year. Uh, oh. Yeah, but Duran gets a double in the ninth, leadoff double. Uh, and he puts the big three in a great position. I know. To, hey, get me in. And immediately steals third. It's like, let's go, boys. And then uh, obviously that's followed by, you know, a, a Devers strikeout, a JD strikeout. Um, I think Bogey gets on. I think he walked. And then and then Doogie got out to end the game. He had that, that fly out to center. But he's he's doing so much more than than just carrying his weight right now. He's also like directly helping you win games in ways that you wouldn't expect from a, a, a new call-up to do, you know? No, absolutely. And yeah, I, I think one thing that jumps out to me with Duran and just the team in general these last few games is he does a great job of, uh, of drawing that walk there to get the run in. They should have got more runs in that situation. Rafael Devers strikes out with the bases loaded. I think that's the tough part with Rafi lately Big moments he's not doing. What is going on outside of your house, Joey? Is every motorcycle know. in Manchester I, driving by? I live in, like, the motorcycle capital of the world, dude. All I right. Guess. Anyways, um, Raphael Devers in big moments is not coming up big, and it's it feels weird. 
like watching it, I'm yeah. like, oh, well, he's at least going to have a bases clearing double here. Like if it's not yeah. a grand slam and then he strikes out, it's like, damn, obviously no, it's Jackie doing that. No, I know Jackie's Jackie the guy clearing the bases. The bases. Clearing I'm like, what is yeah. going on right now? So I honestly think, and I, I don't want to just boil it down to being this, this easy to say, but Saturday's loss is one of the worst losses they've had in a long time. Sunday's win is one of the worst wins they've had in a long time. So that's why you just throw the series. It's a throwaway series. Who cares about it? And then Friday it? was was the Robles game. So this was just a weird one. I feel like if you played this series ten times, Sox probably win seven or eight of the series, and this was one of them they lose. So is what it is. It was a strange weekend in Chicago. Uh, Rich Hill to the IL. Don't love that. I don't love that he was pitching after he knew something was wrong. That's not great. I mean, you've been in the league for a long time. Ideally, you don't want to make an injury worse at that point. He seemed like he was in good spirits in the dugout on Sunday. So hopefully he's not out for a while with that knee sprain. But like I uh, brought up earlier, Whitlock to the bullpen, man, that's enormous. I, I know we've been talking about a lot. It was really in May that we kept talking about it. Obviously, he should be back in the pen. Then he goes to the IL. Um, just to compare some numbers here, Whitlock as a reliever this year, 093 ERA, 121 batting average against, 384 OPS against. 384 OPS against is silly. As a starter, nine starts, 415 ERA, 261 batting average against, 723 OPS against. So it's a big difference. Babip as a reliever, 143. Babip as a starter, 315. So clearly, and a lot of times when these guys see him more often, second, third at bats, it's a different story uh, in terms of him keeping guys off the bases. So loved Cora saying he's going to be in the bullpen the rest of the season. I think it's obvious there's a lack of right-handed arms in the Red Sox bullpen. That's a big part of this move, I'm sure. Sales not far from coming back. That Portland start looked like a ton of fun. Everybody, uh, you know, selling out that park, packing that park, and he was dealing. It's just great. I just love, like, a thing that I forgot I missed so much was Chris Sale press conferences. He's oh, just, yeah. like, so – he loves baseball so much. Like, this, this guy is just not, loves pitching. That was not an average Chris Sale press conference, dude. That, no. that that That's a new Chris Sale. Yeah. That's a that's a new brand of Chris Sale. I mean, we saw it a little bit in that, that – I, I tweeted a clip a, a while ago about, like, him talking to fans, and he's pointing out the tendon in his wrist, and he's like, oh, hey, look at this picture. You can see my tendon. It's not there yeah. anymore. Ha ha. And like, he's he's jubilant, dude. It's like he's just happy to be around baseball. And yeah, man, I mean, that was that was a cool press conference where he's like, man, like, I don't get that feeling anywhere else. I had fun out there. I want he's, to do that again. He's pitched 11 seasons. This guy's mm-hmm. pitched 11 major league seasons. He's 33 years old. He's missed a lot of games, missed a lot of time. In the last few years. So, you know, nine starts since 2019 total. So naturally in that setting, that set of circumstances, I think you're going to be in a position to reflect. And I think Chris Sale has done that a lot. And he's, he's looked back at his career. He's been a guy that wants to be out there. His competitive fire is higher than anybody else on this team when he's going. And just from a mentality standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, it's going to be awesome for these guys to have sale in the dugout and just on his off days. Like it's, it's going to be great that he's just around the guys. So glad his rehabs have gone well. He could be back within the next week or two. And of all these rehabs going well, uh, Whitlock, like we mentioned, is going to be back in the bullpen. 
And as as we know, Joey, Whitlock best serves this team as a dominant bullpen arm. That is the correct decision by the oh, Sox yeah. to move him back. It just is. And anyone yeah. else say, oh, no, he should be a star. He should be the closer. No, he should have always been the long innings, maybe three appearances a week bullpen guy. By long, long innings, mm-hmm. I really just mean like two, maybe three. Mm-hmm. And you get three innings three times a week, ideally facing the lineup once if everything goes well. That's Garrett Whitlock's best purpose for this team. I, um, in regards to sale, I want to read you something. Yeah. Okay. This is the projected pitchers, projected starting pitchers for the Boston Red Sox over the next week or so. Okay. This comes courtesy of a fellow who works for MassLive.com. I can't pronounce I don't, his I don't name. even know what that is. What is that? I, I don't speak Spanish. I think I'm going to say Chris Cotillo. Cotillo. All right. Cotillo. Um, Waka, Pavetta, an unnamed starter for game three of this next series. Winkowski, Siebold, Waka, Pavetta, Chris Sale. That works. That is 7-11 is the date of that. So it's a week from Monday. If you're listening to this on Monday, you're talking about Chris Sale being back in your rotation a week from today. Yeah. No, that's – if we're only a week away, that would be wonderful. And yeah. I know that's – that's I think – no, I know who you're talking about. It's Katizio. I think he, he's the yeah. guy that Maybe like – Italian. Yeah, he projects normally what the rotation's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, he eats a lot, and he annoys Alex Cora. I think I know who you're mm-hmm. talking about. One of the best tweets I've ever seen by Ian Brown. I want to just make sure I get this oh, right. Oh, you're a legend thing? I audibly laughed, Joey. It's rare that I'll see a tweet and actually laugh out loud. This was from Ian Brown on Friday. Alex Cora always greets Peter Gammons as, quote, legend, exclamation point. He did so again today. As Cora walked to the rest of us to do his media session, Chris Cotillo said, what about the rest of or What about the rest of us? Cora to Cotillo, <laughs> you're not a legend. <laughs> <laughs> that is like, oh, that's so it's good. so good. all of them. It's like, it's a story that you read and you're like, I know that happened because that sounds like everybody involved. You know, that <laughs> sounds like know. Cora. That sounds like Cotillo. <laughs> it's just very on brand for everybody. Love that. As we're talking about quotes, before we wrap down here and get to closing thoughts, one quote mm-hmm. this weekend, Joey, that mm-hmm. I was stunned by mm-hmm. came from one Josh Winkowski. Did you see this? Yeah, what is it? Read it. I, I had to do a triple take. Do you want to do, right, do, 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 do it right now? Or do you want to do our closing thoughts? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'll, I'll say the quote right now. Yeah, go for it. To be honest, a little under, talking about Wrigley. Winkowski yeah. talking about Wrigley after he has another impressive start, one nine six ERA in his four fill-in starts since Savaldi went to the IL. To be honest, a little underwhelming. Fenway kind of has a presence to it. I didn't get that here. I think this place is very stock standard, if you ask me. I didn't really feel anything, to be honest. It kind of just felt like another ballpark. <laughs> so I, I've loved what Winkowski's done. Uh, in mm-hmm. the role that he's played, way more than any of us could have expected. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why he's going that in on Wrigley. It's it's like, doesn't it feel like? Wait, what? I had, uh, Ian Brown tweeted this great great weekend for Ian Brown on the on the Twitter uh, machine. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it feel like out of left field? Like, why is Josh Winkowski ripping Wrigley Field? That was so strange. 
Well, here was my thought when I read it, Steve. I thought, thank God that I don't have to be the first one to say it on the podcast. What are you, what are you talking about? I mean, thank God Josh Winkowski paved the way for me. Because I had already been thinking, like, man, I don't know if I get the magic of Wrigley. But have you been there? No. I hate to be the have you been there guy, but it's awesome. I love Wrigley. I, I'm not about to just support watch. some Wrigley bashing on just, this show. Just watching, I was like, is this, I don't know if this. I don't. This think, is right be- up there with Fenway. Like, if this is second place in in terms of places that feel like a ballpark, yeah, it's a distant second. I I Joey. And again, I hate when people do this, when they're like, oh, well, until you go with it, I got to use that card here. Because really, what, is it, is what, what outside of the field of play is like exceptional? You're in a it's, residential it's, neighborhood. I'm going to ask you this. Mm-hmm. When you go to Fenway, one of your favorite parts is walking in and feeling like you're in a traditional place where moments have happened, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah, feel yeah. that. I feel the exact same thing at Wrigley. Wrigleyville is awesome. The area around Wrigley is really cool. A lot of great bars, a lot of great pizza joints. Mm-hmm. That part of it's really cool. The baseball atmosphere, it's not like that at all at the White Sox part. A guaranteed no, no. Oh, right field. Oh it's God. the exact opposite. It's brutal. So well, that's a really tough comparison. You just took like one of the most historic I'm, well, ballparks. I'm taking the then... other Chicago park. I, I'm yeah, just saying. So it's the worst one. No, I know. I'm just saying yeah. like it matters to have a ballpark atmosphere around the ballpark. I love that it's just in the middle of a neighborhood. You got people that care so much about the team. Again, Joey, it's not visually. You're not going to get the same vibes as the Green Monster and the Triangle and you know all the added elements they've done at Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. But the ivy on the wall is really cool. The beer snakes. It's the it's the ambiance. It's the vibes. The sure, vibes okay. are immaculate, and it feels like a old ballpark. I miss the old parks. I really miss like when they used to have these like bowl parks where the, like it was the old oh, Phillies like the park. Shared, the shared like the, use football, big, baseball, not necessarily stadiums. shared use, but like the big circle one because I used to have like little replicas of those growing up as a kid. Like those were cool. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they were kind of, kind of trashy, they, I was going to say like there's a couple of them, and it's like the Shea Oakland Stadium Coliseum. was one of them. Shea Stadium, I think, was one of them that was kind of trashy. But mm-hmm. my point being, Wrigley, you feel the tradition when you go in there. The live atmosphere of the fans and the baseball dis- discussion is so real, mm-hmm. and the area is great. So, factoring all that in, you can't really get that on a broadcast. Is my point? Yeah, I did see one guy in uh, in the bleachers. He was wearing a, a Nationals jersey, a White Sox hat, and he started the uh, Cup Snake. This guy's like, there what? for a fun time. Yeah, I was like, this guy. Yeah, this guy's here to party. This guy's absolutely <laughs> here for a party. I don't know, dude. On the broadcast, it certainly doesn't capture that. I mean, yeah, I don't know. You, you know what Wrigley looks like, and you know you hear of, you know, it put up there with Fenway all the time. And I think to watch it, I was just kind of like underwhelmed. Is the perfect word. I was like, this is. This is the only one. And everyone talks about, like, you know, the whole people sitting on their roofs and watching. And that was, like, a big thing. I remember as a kid, that was, like, a thing that was, like, drilled into my head. Like, you know, people in their houses, they get up to the roof, and you can you can see from right there. There's, like, three buildings where that's the case. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I <laughs> think there look- actually are three. Yeah, it's one on Waveland. I think there's a couple other on the other street. Like, that's – I know what you're saying, but then that – I'm more on, on your uh, agree with you on that case because mm-hmm. 
they sell those for like two hundred a pop minimum to to sit up there. And those, if that was connected to Wrigley, those would be the cheapest seats in the whole park. So I don't and love that's that. Not, that's not what it was before, right? There wasn't actual stadium seating up there before, right? It was like the people who lived in those buildings would like go up to their roof with like their folding chairs and like yeah. watch the game, right? Yeah, and then and then the Wrigley rooftop. I think it's called it's like WrigleyRooftop.com or something. Like that's mm-hmm. uh, when they started putting the seats up there. I don't think they've been up there forever, maybe 15, 20 years. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's. It's more the experience of being there, Joey. I got to be honest. It's not going to, you don't see it as much on the actual broadcast. And mm-hmm. I agree with you in that sense, because even watching the broadcast, I'm like, this isn't matching the hype. It isn't matching the mm-hmm. hype. The Cubs stinking doesn't really help, even though they won mm-hmm. two out of three. Uh, I more mean like not seeing Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Baez. Like it, it adds right. another flair that's just not there with the current roster. So you know that the fans are kind of uh, what's the what's the term here, Steve? You're much more connected. There to the drink kids. in the yeah in in their feelings, <laughs> dude. They're in their feelings a little bit. The fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, no, they're on they're one. Very clear. Yeah, you're just gonna go through all the Drake, Drake lines, songs. But, yeah. No, they're they're very clearly there to just uh, have some bevs, have a fun time, and I I love to see that. But that'll do it for the uh, the recap portion. Of this episode, the Red Sox sadly lose a series to the Cubs at Wrigley Field, where Joey is going to have to make an appearance at some point. We are going to wrap up with closing thoughts. That is next on episode 30 of Inside the Monster. We are back with some closing thoughts. I'm just going to dive right into this, Joey. Do it. I threw out two first pitches at Cape League games this weekend, mm-hmm. and both were balls. So we'll, we'll get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Chatham was awesome. Uh, my boy Chris writes for the Chatham Anglers, and great dude. And he was like, I bumped into him. We were at a game on Thursday. Got down here on Thursday, sat behind. My dad loves, you know, setting up the chairs behind the plate, and, and it's, it's a whole thing, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And so we get there, get there with the lane, and, uh, you know, we're waiting Anglers, if you got any Anglers employees listening or any uh, Chatham Anglers people, we got to figure out the burgers. The The wait for the cheeseburgers was way too long. I waited like 35 minutes to get a cheeseburger. The that concession stand's great. They have pizza and everything. But the burger line, we got to figure that out. Anyway, in waiting, bumping to Chris, talking to him. He's like, hey, you know, if you want to do the first pitch tomorrow, like, we got an opening. I'm like, yes, absolutely. I've been going to Chatham games since the 90s. So, yeah, we'd love to do that. And uh, so the next night, Friday night, Go back there. They do the whole intro. is great. Inside the Monster, you know, uh, the whole thing. Odyssey Sports, everything sounds great. And I'm up there. I got to say, Joey, in both instances, the the Hyannis one today was so much worse. But in both instances, you just realize when you're up on the mound, everyone is so – they're not just staring at you. They're, like, looking through you. They're looking at you like, what are you – and here's the deal. I'm not a hypocrite. I am mm-hmm. occasionally. But with this, I understand because any time – Anyone is announced for a first pitch in my head. I'm like, get a load of this jabroni. Like this, this guy or girl is gonna throw this thing to the backstop. This person stinks for some reason. I feel like a lot of us are in that headspace of screw this person. I hope they mess up. And so anyone that was thinking that got a great treat this weekend when I was throwing out first pitches in Chatham. I skipped it. had had decent speed on it. It was I think 95 miles an hour, but skipped it. Shout out to the catcher. I didn't catch his name, but he scooped it, so it made it look a lot better. So that wasn't terrible. Sunday in, in Hyannis was kind of a mess because I'm driving down, trying to listen to the end of the Sox game, trying to figure it out. They were so nice. The Hyannis Harbor Hawks folks, A+. plus From top down, the GM, the interns, everybody was awesome. 
Um, I had met the kid that was catching it at Fenway a few months ago. Talked with him for a while. That was great. And I was throwing the I was throwing the ball to him. And so I'm thinking, all right, I know who's catching this. You know, we got some people that are going to record this, put it on the Cape League page and everything. And I'm walking out. This, I, I, my only beef with the hyenas setup is that they have a guy come out with you and, like, shake your hand and hand you the ball and be like, all right, you know, have a great pitch. I'm like, oh, God, it's a little pressure. You're out here with me. I don't know. This adds a little element of pressure. If, it and, speeds you up a little bit, too. It's it does like, speed oh, you up a little bit because I was going to stretch. But I'm like, all right. And, you know, over the, the, the PA guy is going – all right, Steve, let's see a great pitch. And I'm like, ah, damn. Now that's all that's in my head. I got to throw a great pitch. Mm-hmm. And so I'm winding up. I remember the, the one in Chatham, I held on to it too long. The one in Hyannis, I, I let go too early. And sailed it past the catcher, went to the backstop. It was pathetic. It was a, a really bad first pitch. It wasn't like 50 cent level because at least it was like kind of over his head a little to the left. It wasn't like that high. Wasn't that far to the right, but it was a bad pitch. And mm-hmm. I have sympathy now for 50 Cent, for Steve Aoki, for all these other people that have had terrible first pitches because it's it's a lot of people. Again, people are staring at you. They want you to screw up. I don't think they all do. I, I'm sure there were a couple people in the crowd. All right, Steve, let's go. So mm-hmm. everyone, everyone doesn't want you to mess up, but you kind of feel that pressure. It got to me, and I was terrible. So anyone that's uh, you know working with the Cape League team, I'm talking with – one of the guys over at Harwich now. Try to line up a Harwich Mariners first pitch. But I'm trying to do all the parks. Done three so far. I did Bourne last year for the playoffs. And uh, I've thrown one strike and two balls. So I have a 2-1 count right now in first pitches. So, yeah. Yeah. But they had well, – shout out to Hyannis. They had the whole team sign the ball, which is mm-hmm. really cool. So the first pitch stunk, but the actual ball looks cool. That is awesome. That is awesome, man. And, I, I mean, I – I think often about the pressure that the first pitchers must be going through. I think the most pressure must be on former athletes. Yeah. Who, like, you know, imagine if you're uh, Mo Vaughn. I know his kid threw out the pitch, but I'm just saying, like, let's say it's Mo Vaughn, right? Hmm. But we don't know if Mo Vaughn has touched a baseball in 20 years. <laughs> I know. So, like, there's a good chance that he hasn't. That he's I like, know. nah, I hung it up. I'm focusing on my family and, you know, my kids are still young. They have their coaches, but like, you know, whatever, right? There's a good chance that he goes out there and he's like, man, everybody knows me as like an MVP. And now I got to I gotta throw this thing up. Those guys, I think, have like the most pressure on them. Um, but then a very close second is Odyssey Sports guys at uh, Cape Cod League games. Uh, but no, I totally get you. <laughs> no matter how many people are, are looking, I, I don't, I don't. Uh, on I, that, I on that, Joey, on that point, yeah. it's. Basically, you go in it, into it with the mentality of like, I can either throw this hard and try to throw like a real strike, or mm-hmm. I'm just gonna lob it. I don't. After doing these first pitches, I don't have a lot of mm-hmm. respect for the people that lob it. You mm-hmm. got to try. Like, shout out to George Bush, uh, in the what? Yeah, hell the yeah! It's about time we start talking about George. Yeah, Bush yeah I know that'll show. be great. <laughs> but I'm just saying the old one World Series when yeah, he throws yeah. like the perfect pitch, and it's like mm. I don't know how he did that. Talk about pressure. Mm-hmm. I'm here at a couple Cape League games, and I'm sailing the ball all over the place. So it's. You can't lob it. You got to throw it with a little zip on it. And in doing that, my control has been all over the place. I was never a pitcher anyway. It's more shortstop center field. But, um, yeah, we, we're going to have to get some revenge. But, Joey, your uh, closing thought. Yeah, my closing thought, dude. Um, so, Thursday, socks off. Uh, Steve, gone. Me, off dad duty. I was just sitting here. Mm. And I was like, what am I going to do? And... Uh, not that I didn't know. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to uh, a little city called Portland, Maine. 
because uh, I wanted to see Chris Sale throw out the first pit. Throw out the first pitch. That's what was happening. He's not actually doing a rehab study. He's just throwing out the first pitch. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure ticket prices would have been a little different. Um, <laughs> but, dude, I was – so I asked you to go. Um, you were going to the Cape. Yeah. And then I asked a buddy to go, and then I asked another buddy to go, and then my mom offered to go with me, and I was like, no, mom, we don't need to do that. That That's sad. At that point, like, no, I'd, I'd rather just go alone. So I had, like, gone down the list, and I, and because I couldn't, like, get somebody, I didn't buy a ticket. And I waited until um, Thursday morning when I finally decided, like, okay, I'm actually going alone uh, to go and look at tickets. And the Sea Dog site had sold out, which is just something that I didn't consider was a possibility. Not sure why I didn't. But I think it's probably just that it's like, oh, it's a minor league park. There's always tickets. You go there and they're eight dollars, and you and you can sit wherever. It doesn't even matter what the number on your ticket says. Your mentality uh, was right. Your mindset was right. That's that's because that's the usual thing. But most Double A games don't have Christopher Allen Sale throwing a baseball the first on the mound, <laughs> throwing out the first pitch, and maybe the second one, and hopefully a few more. Yeah. And uh, so I, uh, I I checked. The twelve dollar tickets were all gone. Um, do you want to guess the cheapest ticket that I found to that game? Eighty, a hundred and fifty dollars for a standing room for a standing room ticket. Wow! For yeah. like what three innings? How long did he go? Four? I think he went four innings. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I did not go. Is is okay. the moral of the story? A buck I ended fifty up, for the cheapest. That's crazy. Yeah. I could. I saw like fifty the day before, and I was like, oh, I guess uh, whatever. Like we'll we'll see when the time comes if I'm going alone or not. And then uh, yeah, the morning came. I didn't hear from my pal, and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna look alone. Yep, one single standing room ticket was 150 bucks. So uh, did not go unfortunately, but I want to get back up there. I want to see Hadlock Field again. I love Portland, Maine, dude. I don't know how much time you've had to go out in the old port and all that, but briefly, what what a town. So gotta get out there. Think I might go down for. Uh, might go down for the Woo Sox start. I'm not sure. I think it actually might be Wednesday, which is a day we record. So I can't do that, actually, now that I think about it. So uh, I don't know. But we'd like to get to the minor league parks, you know, to, to Portland and to Worcester sometime this year. Big yeah, let's let's try fan. to do that. Let's let's try to circle some dates and do that. July's rest of July is pretty packed. But uh, mm-hmm. I think we can I think we can pull something off there. One thing I wanted to ask you, Joey, before we wrap, what's mm-hmm. your favorite part of July 4th? You don't have a favorite part of the 4th of July. I mean, I don't really do anything for the 4th of July. You don't do anything? What are you talking I about? Got, I got a last-minute invite to a pool party, so I went over there for a couple hours, but had the baby, and now it's kind of hard. Uh, I don't really do it. My family doesn't really do anything. I, we don't take a trip or anything. All right. I don't really you do might anything. be the only person that does nothing on the fourth. Uh, well, July. tomorrow, actually, tomorrow I'm going up to northern New Hampshire. I like I like going up north this time of year. Period. So, like okay. going up to the woods. We're going up to Clark's Trading Post. Anybody who's familiar with northern New Hampshire, hello Red Sox stats. Going to Clark's Trading Post, maybe uh, Santa's Village. I, I gotta well. say that that's that's gonna be that's gonna be fun. I just yeah, have to fun. say real quick that I love fireworks, but it always feels like they go five to ten minutes too long. I wish fireworks mm-hmm. were just a little shorter. Because it's mm-hmm. like, all right, I'm having fun. This is great. Whoa, fireworks. Everything's great. But then it's like, all right, like, you know, we've seen them. 
And then it's like, give me, give me the finale. Okay, like I it's want kind the of more of the same here. <laughs> I know these seem similar. I just, if we can get to the firework finale a little quicker, it would be mm-hmm. nice. So I'm just, yeah, that's my plea to all the firework people out there. Just get to the finale a little quicker. Like it's, or, we've seen them. Or orchestrate like a real show, not just yeah. okay. We're gonna light them off one after another after another. I know. Like, if you have like some speakers going with like some music that it's synced with. Like, that's a whole thing. That's what fireworks shows are supposed to be. I don't want to just go and watch explosions in the sky. I certainly don't want to watch it on your Instagram story. If you're putting it on your Instagram story, I'm going to message you and say, this was awesome. Do you feel good about posting this? I've, I've done it, like, every 4th of July. Oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in your DMs so I, I am going to rip on your IG story <laughs> so hard. But that'll do it for episode 30. The Jose Offerman episode. Yes, we can agree on that. The Jose Mm -hmm. Offerman episode of Inside the Monster. The next week you will hear from us is previewing the Red Sox Rays series at Fenway. Very important stretch coming up here, Joey. Very important stretch of baseball coming up here leading up to the All-Star game, after the All-Star game, all the way until October. Red Sox Rays. Big series coming up at Fenway. For Joey Capone, I am Steve Peralt. Go Sox, kid. Inside the Monster is a production of Odyssey in partnership with the Boston Red Sox. The show is produced by me, Steve Peralt. Our executive producer is Lena Glazer. Mixing and video editing by Joey Capone. Special thanks to the Red Sox and Major League Baseball for their contributions to the production of this podcast. Podcast.